You're listening to Unfiltered with Muhammad Uncut, a podcast about personal growth and authentic leadership. If you're looking for tips on how to manage others, get ahead, and make your way up the corporate ladder, this is not the show for you. This podcast is about being of service to others, leading from the heart, and evolving into a better version of yourself. Each episode brings you motivated stories about unfiltered leadership and authentic leaders, those who involve others, use their influence to amplify diverse perspectives, and inspire teams to achieve collective results. If this sounds like you, keep listening. Hello, and welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast, and welcome to my unfiltered guest, Laura Staley. Hello, Laura. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much. It's truly an honor to be here. The honor, and I know this sounds cliche, but honestly, the honor is mine, Laura. I'm so excited. I, I follow what you do on your social media. I um, with you on the Miss Catalyst forums and to get to uh, interact with some of the topics there. So I know it's near and dear to your heart. And you know that this podcast, it's relatively new. I've been doing this for about six weeks, but it's all about personal transformation. It's we can't lead others until we learn to lead ourselves better. And this is about our own personal transformation into becoming a better person. And, you know, for me, leadership is not just about what we do in our workplaces or the person who is in charge of inspiring others or getting work done. It's about the person who is inspired to become a better version of themselves every day, become a role model, not a somebody who role plays the, um, the behaviors that create lasting and, and true authentic relationships. And it's really unfiltered. So it's, it's about that unfiltered leadership for us to want to become better. And, I thank you in advance for being that unfiltered leader. And we're going to find out why you are. But I'd like to give people a bit of background about who Laura is. So Laura Staley is the founder of Cherish Your World. She passionately helps people thrive by guiding them to a holistic transformation of space, heart, and life. Laura knows that there's a relationship between the conditions of our homes or our workplaces and the quality of our lives. And that's why she uses her intuition and expertise to empower her clients to produce remarkable results in their lives. Laura enjoys laughing with loved ones, dancing, reading, meditating, running, being in nature, and listening to music she loves. And today, she'll share some of those things that she loves and her expertise as my unfiltered guest. Welcome, Laura, and thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. And, and even what you shared before, I think uh, being our uh, genuine selves and doing that deep work of, of self-discovery is just, uh, it can be really challenging <laughs> and sometimes embarrassing, but uh, quite liberating. So yeah, I, I, and I love what you said about uh, being a role model instead of role playing, because <laughs> I feel like somebody who has, you know, been handed so many scripts, and I'm like, really, I got to read these lines, you know? And I'm like, this isn't coming from my heart, but okay, but you know, and then I end up sounding like a robot instead of myself. So yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we've all been there, I, you know. I and of course, I'm going to ask you what leadership means to you, and but I, I want to pick up on what you just said there. I think it makes sense sometimes that we aren't leaders yet in certain things and we are 
following whether the intuitions of our heart or the intuitions of others. And so we're learning. So having to read something that isn't yet inherently natural to us, that's part of the learning process. We don't all come out of the wounds of our mothers riding bikes or doing backflips. We learn them. But it's having that uh, potential and the tenacity and the resilience to learn how to do it. So let me start with you there. What motivates you to learn and to grow personally before you can actually help others learn and grow? Oh, that's such a great question. I guess um, a deep passion to be of service, to care about others and myself. And I think um, curiosity is under underneath that. You know, I think I've just been curious since I was a little girl about all kinds of things, you know, like what made people tick, what made people so angry, what, you know, like that emotional, those are emotional realities. And I think that, that, that is, is such a driver. Like maybe I just came into this life as, as a curious one and very introspective from a, a, a young age, kind of reflective and um, wondering. I love nature and it's such a great uh, place to uh, learn about things. And so, you know, connecting to the things I loved and, and learning to give myself permission to do that, even in the face of, like you were saying, you know, other people handing you these scripts and you're like, oh, I just, uh. and yet there's such rich, there's such rich learning in that, in that tension or in, even in that conflict of um, someone else's expectation and your own inner heart learning or, or desire or preference, right? And then even setting down those attachments um, as you go along. You, you, what you just shared confuses me a bit because I want to go and talk about the importance of nature in, in our lives and the value that being at one with nature brings or do I want to ask you about um, the, you know, this unscripted and you know, it, it, I think it's all in one and I think you've been able to find that inner peace and this is what you talk about I know the tools that you use to help people find that transformation a lot of the time it's because we're so disjuncted our different uh, parts of who we are yeah we're just I, in yeah. so many different places you know, we'll be walking in the woods but yeah. we'll be thinking about being in the office we'll be in the office <laughs> but we'll be thinking about when am I going to get out to walk in the woods right how do you help people connect those dots so they can feel more whole in what they're doing. You see why I'm being confused? Because <laughs> right, right. Right? Well, it's like, it's like this, it's this both and, right? I could, I could be back thinking about, you know, 10 things from my past or a conversation I just had an hour ago and then, or projecting something out into the future that hasn't even happened and it's a fear, you know, and it won't even happen, right? Or I don't know if it'll happen. Um, and how I support people in, in, in getting, and how I, I learned to do this for myself is um, one pathway has been to get to quiet however you get to quiet and quieting the mind. And for me, I, for years I dabbled in meditation. I was not a committed, you know, and I, and I exposed myself to lots of different ways of meditating. And then I discovered uh, six years ago that being quiet is essential as my life out, out my outer life, <clears throat> both, um, 
well, mostly personally, but in a way professionally, I was at this crossroads. Do I go forward with Cherish a World or do I get a, uh, what do they call it, a survival job? Um, because my, my entire life came unglued six years ago. And that, at that juncture, I chose to be a daily meditator for at least 20 minutes a day and cultivating what I love calling the inner fly on the wall is, is often what I share with people, whatever you want to call it. You can even give it your own name. You could call it Gertrude. <clears throat> you could call it my inner knowing. You could call it a witness consciousness. I mean, there's a lot of names for it, but it's more that experience of the voyeur of yourself to know that my hand is going like this right now, <laughs> right? And to actually hear the words that are coming out of my mouth and being present enough to the fact that I notice, you know, I'm, I'm talking to this little dot on the laptop, but I'm noticing your, your head nodding, right? I'm still able to take that in with a certain amount of presence. Well, that's coming from my inner fly on the wall, as opposed to all the different characters. I, call, I have all different characters and they're, they often have emotional qualities to them, right? You know, there's terrified Tammy, right? And there's, <laughs> um, happily flattered Florence, you know, just give me another compliment, you know, <laughs> and I'll, and she'll just be like this. And then, you know, um, the, the vulnerable part of me who's, you know, maybe a little nervous, my leg is shaking right now. Right. And, and, but being able to observe all of that and still go, wait a minute, I've got the inner fly on the wall. That's a part of me and a growing part of me that just gets to watch all these characters. Right. So, you know, however a person can get quiet, whether it's walking in nature, whether it's taking an hour a day to unplug from all, all social, social media or all electronics for that matter, and really go within so that this thing isn't constantly chattering at you so that, yeah, turn down the volume, absolutely. And that you can then, because I quote, because what I noticed on it is I dropped into my heart. And that's where emotional, unresolved emotional um, pain that this, I think I created this to avoid this. And, you know, the body, <laughs> you know, like, all right, I have a whole body. <laughs> I have feet <laughs> on the ground here or on the floor. And it's kind of like, wow, I had gotten so disconnected, as many of us can, right? Because if this gets so loud, we don't even feel our feet. The socks it's on our feet. Confusing, right? isn't yeah, it? Like, right? Like, literally, because we're so busy yeah. in yeah. this place. And so th those pathways, whatever it is for you, for I, I don't know what it is for you, but whatever path that is i know for me it ultimately was meditation and i, I do love being in nature i love exercising because exercising i'm moving my body and i'm breathing right and i'm rhythmically breathing and this just kind of like it'll still sort of uh, blah, blah, but i'll be like whoa i really feel my feet oh i feel those muscles in my legs you know because and then and and it'll ground me back in my body, you know, because I think that's another pathway. So, you know, some people just say, I couldn't imagine sitting still and meditating. And I'm like, okay, 
movement? Can you do Tai Chi? Could you get out on that run? Because then you become focused on what your feet feel like, right? And, and your breathing and your muscles. And it, all of a sudden it starts to settle because you're aware, you become really present and aware of the movement and how your body feels, even if it's just like going, you haven't run in eight years. What are you thinking? <laughs> you know, when it starts talking to you <laughs> um, from a different language. So yeah, I, I, uh, so those different pathways, I think I can be very meaningful whatever helps you quiet your mind so you can get in your heart and then if you notice that your heart is heavy or your heart is full of emotional pain that you haven't poured out then do the work of that emotional expression in safe ways you know because because honestly some people are choosing not safe ways right they're very reactive they're hurting themselves they're doing self-sabotage and, you know, so healthy, healthy ways to release those emotions, you know, to punch that pillow, to, to cry, you know, to seek privacy. If you need professional support, get that professional support. No shame in that at all. There's right. beautiful people and healers and therapists and body workers out there to help you with that emotional healing. So I think sometimes that gets stepped over. You know, we're, we're so, you know, the mindset, the mindset, the mindset, and the mind chatter, right? And we fail to realize that emotional intelligence, emotional health, emotional well-being can be some of the hardest work because many of us have been taught to suppress our emotions that we're not emotional, like stuff, you know, pull it together. Or we're too emotional or... Right. right, right, or the, or it's the extremes, right, and and yet when we can when we can get into that place of alignment where where this becomes quiet and then this becomes full of love and compassion and empathy rather than hurt, pain, resentment, grievance, bitterness, right? We we sometimes even have the expression, you know, the person had a bitter heart. Um, well, maybe we have that expression. Maybe I just said it. Um, but, you know, because that's where, that's where that all lives. Um, and then it comes out in, in, in words and expressions, right, that aren't helpful to people or to ourselves. Wow. Because if we're, if we're speaking, I mean, I love that story about the monk, right, who, or, or the teacher, the guru, whatever, and his student, and they're out on a walk, right, and this person comes and starts saying such awful demeaning things and the teacher is just completely silent right and eventually this character this person who just was pouring out all of that i'm just going to call it pain right towards this teacher you know just finally walks away and the student says wow how is it that you didn't react you didn't say a word, you just kept being yourself and walking. And the teacher said, um, if somebody's giving you a gift and you don't receive it, who's the gift with? Wow, wow. Right? And how often we'll internalize that out, outer bully person right? And then it'll become this inner bully that's now yelling. Right. At us. And that chatter. And, the, and it becomes the right. chatter and the heart pain. Right. Both. It's a both right. and. 
Right. Right. It's not just this. It's a, and then it's the body and then the body and then we get sick. Right. right? With, with some illness and it's all connected. Um, well, at least from my perspective. And that, I guess that's the holistic transformation piece is, is we're heart, mind, body, soul. We're even connected to so our, true. our physical yes. space, right? Yes. Oh, and better believe it. Yeah. Like all, all of it, nature, right? We're connected. We, yeah. we couldn't, us humans, as you know, could not exist if we, if we didn't have the trees and the water and the oceans and the sunshine and the sun. Emotionally and physically. Ah. Oh. Right? Yeah, and the sun shines. The sun doesn't say you owe me. You know, it doesn't wake up in the morning and go, okay, you guys, come on. <laughs> There's that gift, right? It, it, just, it's, yeah. it just pours out its sunshine. It's just there to beam out the light. Even Your when words, we can't see it, it's there. It's the, behind the great clouds, I always say there's the sun, right? And your words just make me take deep breaths because they're soothing. And, you know, you, you touch on so many powerful concepts that, you know, I want to unpack whether you're talking about, you know, as we know, a good run or a good exercise is going to help your mind become more focused. I would say, you know, go for a run or for a walk, and then you're going to be a lot more lucid when you come and sit in front of your computer. So there is that aspect of, of the clarity. The other clarity is, you know, silence is a lot more powerful than words. So, you know, learn to silence the chatter and listen to the heartbeat. You know, it's not closing down the mind, but you know, when you talk about paths, I don't see my paths as being divergent. I don't see them as being uh, separated. I see them as somehow meandering through the forest. You got it, coming together. And sometimes it'll be the hurtful words, that path of somebody who may be hurting me, but I get to choose what path I continue to walk down. And it may be the path of, as we're talking, the sun is beaming into my room now. And it could be, see that there's a power of connecting with, with nature. It could be that, you know, because if it was gloomy outside, I would go like this because I feel gloomy inside. But I need to, still, I need to make sure that the weather is not impacting me. I have to carry my own weather, as Stephen Covey would say, right? But it's powerful. And I'll share a story with you. A few years ago, I was working in my garden. Love, just like you all love nature, love working in the garden. But I had this angst. I was feeling guilty because I should have been inside blogging, doing this was Saturday afternoon, beautiful July afternoon. And I said, Muhammad, why do you want to go inside? And Muhammad responded, well, because I need to blog. I need to post something. I, I need to make a difference and get and, and said, what do you want to do? Well, maybe it'll help my career. Maybe it'll push me in a different direction and give me more free time so that I could. And I paused and I said, yes, so you could. And I said, so I could have more time to work in my garden. So here I am working in my garden. The guilt, the chatter was telling me I needed to be elsewhere. So that it's taking me from the peace and the meditation of being present trying to put me into a busy place, a different place that didn't need me at that moment. My, what needed me was my flowers and my garden as much as I needed them. And it was telling me I needed to go there. So, you know, the shiny object, you need to make more money so you can do more, so you can come back to exactly where you are. And we had a death in the family yesterday. It was a, 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 somebody from the community. 
And I woke up thinking about that. And whenever there's a death of somebody close by, it's perspective. Like it makes all the stuff that your, your career and your, your work, it puts it in perspective and it's not as, it's not as important, right? And I sat down to write. And I thought, no, I know that if I write and I publish, it'll help me and help others, but I just needed to heal. And so I shut down the computer and I just went to work around the house with my wife and I needed to heal that way. So sometimes you have to heal yourself. It's not just about what you're going to do and how it's going to impact others and the story you're going to tell and the share. You need to work in your garden. Forget where else you need to be. You need to shut the computer and healing today will not be a blog. It'll be you know, your partner, it'll be painting the house, right? So when you talk about paths, Laura, it's impossible for me not to see that alignment, as you call it, is these paths coming and crossing together. Tell me, how do you help people create that clarity? Because some people will see, mostly men, mostly people who aren't in touch with their emotions, and I say men because women are more emotionally intelligent and most men and most unemotionally intelligent women will look at emotionally intelligent women and think it's a weakness, right? Most men are afraid or unknowingly incapable of allowing themselves to be emotionally intelligent. And so they will be blunt and tough and forceful. So how do you help all of us? get that clarity when it seems our paths are intertwining to our detriment. Wow. How do I help people get to that clarity? Um, well, I ask questions. I ask meaningful questions of, of that person. So for instance, if it was you and, and you were struggling in communication with your colleagues and you were receiving you were noticing that you were blunt and not maybe getting what you wanted. Um, I would ask you what you're afraid of. I mean, mm. like, what are you really afraid of? It's fear. So you're, you're taking yeah. back to fear. Right. What are, what are you really, really afraid of? And, and you mentioned uh, just a few moments ago that the death of, and I'm so, so sorry for your loss. And, I, you. and I know I've had recent losses too, so that we share that, kind of grief love in common and um you know because those those things aren't gonna the bluntness the not getting our way the bullying um is not gonna stave off uh death right and what what actually makes a fulfilling life so how I would help the person get to clarity is I would ask those meaningful questions of what are you actually committed to? What are your deepest values? Do you value human relationships more than, um, I don't know, accomplishing tasks? Because I think going forward, human relationships are the currency of the future. Yeah, and the richer and the more meaningful those relationships and connections are, kind of like we're creating right now in this conversation, heart to heart and mind and our thoughts, mm -hmm. right? And our words. Um, that if, if you really truly value 
your human life and connection to other human beings and being uh, and and get clear and yeah um and know that you can come from that deeper commitment of what you really really value then then you can begin to express from that deeper place what you actually care about because we now know from neuroscience from all the studies out there that happiness does not in, increase exponentially as you become a billionaire. We know very wealthy people who have lost their souls and mm -hmm. they're, they're angry and they're bitter and they're unpleasant people to be around, right? We just don't want to hang. We can't even imagine sitting down for coffee with them. We may have compassion because we see the moments that we've been angry and what that's produced, right? In our, in our hearts and in our bodies and in those relationships, right? And if you learn from that, you realize, wow, pouring anger out into the world is, may not be the most effective way to bond and form loving, meaningful relationships because what inspires employees to do their very best for you? I promise you it's not bullying. Not fear, it's love. Yeah, it's, it's love. It's like understanding what makes another person tick. You know, it's kind of like knowing all those different personalities. Yeah. Nobody's, no, knowing somebody's an analyzer, knowing somebody's a promoter, knowing somebody's right. a supporter, knowing somebody's task-oriented and honoring that and going, what are you passionate about? What are you creating? What do you want? What do you really, really, really deeply want for your life? Um, and for those who truly want money, then I would ask them, what do you want the money for? Mm, what's, what's the end? For? Mm. Right? And people have even asked me that. They're like, okay, Laura, you know, if your income were to increase, and I'm like, I'd go see my kids. I'd go see my kids in a heartbeat. I'd use, and I would contribute to the causes that I think are really meaningful to me. That's what I would do. But then what, you know, what would you do to, to, to make the world to align with those deeper values? Like you're not going to bathe in the money, right? Like, so what, you're right. What will you do with it? Right. Will you yeah. buy more money? Right, 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 right. And, and it's like what, you know, and the, even, even questions about what's the legacy that you really want to leave. And, and I love the, the quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, where he ends it. You know, it's like to laugh often and much, to earn the respect of, you know, enemies, to, um, you know, help the world by a healthy child or a redeemed social condition or um, a garden patch. You talked about gardening, right? Mm -hmm. And it ends with, with what still moves me. If, if you knew that one life breathed easier because you lived, that is to have succeeded. Well, obviously, you know, I'm revealing and sharing that quote and my resonance with that quote. I'm obviously sharing what I'm committed to and what I value, but it's like those deeper questions of what is it that's really important to you? How, how, how do you want to make a difference and hopefully a positive difference in the lives and the quality of life? Because we're, we're interconnected. 
Right. We can't exist without one another. And the more we come to realize that it's in the interconnectedness and it's in the difference, it's in the salad. I mean, thank goodness for all the species of trees, right? Thank goodness for the pine trees and the maple trees and the oak trees. And, you know, and it's like, say, thank goodness for human diversity, right? Because then there's something different being brought to the table and it's beautiful and it's to be cherished and celebrated and valued and honored. And I, uh, and you've used that word again, and I love, Laura, and you say honored, and okay. that is so powerful, right? Right. Right? It's not enough to recognize it. No. It's, you have to react to it. You have to honor it. A lot of the time, we just acknowledge. I tolerate you as opposed to accept you. Yes. Honoring, honoring, I feel lifting you, right? Like when you, know, when, you, when you said that earlier, and you said it again now, you don't truly pay respect to somebody until you're able to lift and honor them, right? Right, and, right. And that's, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Just, that's so no. powerful, I, right? I, I feel you. Well, and it's a place in your, in your TED Talk that, that moves me so much because it's not, about, it's not about tolerance. Who wants to be tolerated? I mean, I feel like my own mother sort of tolerated. Mostly she, I was, I was a, activator for her I mean I just brought out the worst in her for whatever reason and I love my mother and I've forgiven her and she passed and you know we had a very difficult relationship but more than anything I wanted to be accepted by her right I wanted to be seen heard and valued and 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 did I learn to see here and value her for for all of her yeah I did because that's kind of what you do when you're in a more um, subordinate oppressed point of view, right? You, you learn to see the wholeness of the so-called enemy. You see their goodness, you see the moments that they're actually kind. And I saw that, you know, in her, I saw the wholeness. And as much as I wanted to, uh, this is so personal and yet it's so meaningful, right? Thank you. Um, because it's like being able to honor my mom for the life that she lived even in the midst of her being so cruel to me personally, is, is my deep work. Because that means that if anyone shows up like her towards me, I can, I can hold that compassion and radical empathy and know that they are carrying the burden of unresolved traumas. Thank you. Pain. Thank you. That that they just haven't resolved. And I've gone about the business over my almost entire life to resolve and heal that so that even the person who was the cruelest to me, I have a love for her. I have compassion for her. And I thank her for giving me the gift of life, Mohammed. Because I, I wouldn't be in this conversation with you if my mom hadn't chosen I had me with dad. Obviously, my dad was—he was in the mix. So <laughs> you know, he, he did something there. It's like, oh my gosh! It's like it's like that. It's like that. Yeah. That's like the story of the the guru, the 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 teacher, and 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 you yeah. know, um, forgiveness is not about the other person. Forgiveness is empowering and liberating for us. And I've had this conversation with loved ones and friends and people who weren't that close to me. And I've said, look, 
don't forgive because it's going to make things easier for the other person. Likely your action may have no resonance with them. Forgiveness right. is liberating for you. So you don't live a mired life. You know, you don't live a life that you're that constant chatter and that this ease, the heart set is yeah. imbalanced because you're constantly either blaming yourself or feeling that you're not enough or feeling that you've earned that spite, you know, but where you take us is, is the powerful conclusion or the, not conclusion, but almost the, what complements your story and our, when someone has hurt us, for you to recognize that they've been equally hurt somewhere, you know, I don't think anybody's walking around like the wicked witch, right? What is even well, actually, even Snow White's stepmom, she was hurt, right? Right? Recently, what was it? Uh, Angelina Jolie in Maleficent, I think, was the movie. We see the other perspective of the wicked queen because we we realize that she was raped, she was hurt, and that's why she's scary, right? So I think for us to become wholly accepting and loving human beings, we are not doing a disservice to ourselves or to others by recognizing that they are in pain. I think we're being fortified in the process. We're growing, we're, we're learning, we're becoming stronger, and perhaps, perhaps we can liberate others with our love. And that is what we need today. You know, you and I are on these conversations often. I, you know, I'm grateful for having a one-on-one -on -one with you now. But you mentioned earlier, we need that today more than ever. And I, I can talk about it from a, so a social perspective, from what's happening right now because of COVID or what's happening because of Black Lives, because you know we're recognizing what centuries of oppression to indigenous communities and uh, uh, colonization and slavery has done to all of us, not just to the victims of those communities. But I want to talk about it as a liberating step forward for our path to meander and cross and why that's important in a workplace, not just in a community, not just in our home, but in a workplace. And I'm sure you have many of these discussions with people who take that baggage and bring it to you from a workplace environment. Why is it important for people at work to take that baggage off? What's happening when they bring it to work all, every day? Well, I think what's happening when they bring the baggage to work is uh, kind of more resentment, more um, possibly more resentment, or or they're they're at they're at tension with themselves. Maybe they're fake, fake nice on the outside, but they're deeply jealous and resentful on the inside, and it's exhausting to stay in that place because, oh, so-and-so got a promotion and why didn't I get the promotion? And, mm -hmm. you know, and all those things that can happen in a, in a workplace environment that, that grow seeds of resentment and bitterness. So if you do that deep work of self-discovery and emotional awareness and become emotionally healthy and more aligned, um, when you walk into a work environment, you can bring that compassion with you. You can bring that deeper understanding of what's making people prickly, right? Because you've come to understand your own inner prickle, <laughs> if you will. Oh, I love your right? language. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and and you've seen it in yourself right so then you can go oh gosh you know maybe that person is feeling jealous and resentful and bitter about right. something and it's not even something i said so we can be not even me yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I think we can begin to, um, when we drop the baggage, we can begin to really listen from, again, that inner fly on the wall, that witness consciousness, that voyeur that goes, wow, this person's having a really hard moment. And I have no idea what's going on in their life. Maybe they just lost six family members to COVID. Right. So maybe I get to hold grace for this human being right in front of me who didn't get their work done to the excellent standards that I expected. And I can kind of like soften into a, the human, the human being who's standing right in front of me, who is working so hard not to come unglued by all that sorrow, right? And 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 meet them where they are, and really listen and see if there's ways to support that individual, whether it's a colleague or you know whoever it is, right, in the workplace, to support them in getting getting the work done as best as they can, but also honoring that this is a whole person in front of you. They're not a machine. They're not an automaton. They're not, um, they're not AI, <laughs> right? This is not an artificial intelligence that you're interacting with. You're actually interacting with a person. And can you honor the whole person? And then- can you honor their story. Yeah, right? and what they bring to you. Right? Exactly, and what they might be going through right now and offer the kindness and the radical empathy to connect and go, wow, I know what it feels to have somebody pass. So, so sorry, I know you're lost. You and, you know, like meet them in that emotional container because I think you'll get a more productive uh, situation if if there's that breathing room, if people feel nice. safe, if they nice. feel safe to be themselves, right? And yes, you know, let's find those safe places, you know, to grieve and say, hey, you know what, how about at lunch, you and I go out for lunch and I hear more about your story and what mm. you're going through, but I get the deeper truth about your life and, you know, this is a work day and you know, these tasks do need to get accomplished, but let's meet for lunch and I wanna hear what's all that's happening for you. Because in the freedom of, of, of that safe space to be a human being, um, that person getting that, uh, they now can have a safe place you know, and maybe they'll decline and say, you know what, I want to take my lunch hour to privately grieve. And I promise you, when I come back from that private grieving, I will bring you my best. But thank you for being loving with me and connecting with me in that place of our sorrow. Because you can now count on me to uh, bring my best as I can to the very next moment because you've allowed me to be a human being. Well, I was going to ask you if, if you give me an example of radical empathy. And I think the story you just shared and the approach is 
exactly radical empathy, it, right? And being able to do just that, what you just explained, you really walked out of your shoes and you walked into the shoes of the other person and walked with them, right? And uh, that that's, that's tough. I, I'm going to share, I sometimes I'm overwhelmed by the amount of um, giving and understanding that I can bring to a situation. But then in a, in a split second, I can become impulsive. And if I'm in a conflict with someone and they're ticking me off, you know, you talk about what makes somebody tick, but then what ticks them off as well. I forget everything. I forget everything. So to somebody like Muhammad, who could be working with somebody who all of a sudden they're, they're sucking out my energy. They're not allowing me to have that autonomy. They're uh, taking away what makes me shine and where I feel I can be my best. I don't know why, but help me understand how I can choose to respond differently. Mm. Oh, wow. It's hard when we're put to the test, right? We, we can talk right. about yeah. what would be the best case scenario. Right. Then when it's us in the midst of it all, what yeah. happens? Right? Right. Right. Well, right. Well, and I think for for me, if I, if I were in your shoes, um, it's about non-reactivity. It makes me think of Viktor Frankl's beautiful quote about between stimuli and response is a space. And in that space is my response or my reaction. And in that space is my response. And in that pause, I find my freedom and my power. And so mm. being able to, um, I, I literally have this practice of feel my feet, take a deep breath. So you've got the person who's just, and you know, just doing their thing and you, and you want to react, right? And, and that prickle in you has now gotten activated, right? And to be able to literally, you know, um, sink into your neutral, which is in the body. You can access it in the body. Um, soften the eyes, put your tongue on the roof of your mouth, take a deep breath. And that actually shifts, um, bend the knees if you're standing, if you happen to be standing up and feel your feet uh, and relax the arms by the side of your, of your body. So you have a body, the, you can go, you could go, this is just one possibility, right? You could go to the body and get that neutral place because in that neutral place, then all possible responses are available to you, which can include silence, which could include speaking your deeper truth, which could include going, thank you so much for pointing that all out to me. I'm gonna go back and get to work. Uh, you know, and, and then, and, and likely the response that's aligned with your deeper, your deeper values will emerge from that quieter, neutral stance. So the soft eyes, all of that, the tongue on the roof of the mouth, and neuroscience has taught us um, th that we now know that shifts the body into the uh, quiet, reflective state rather than the, uh, the, the parasympathetic nervous system, rather than the uh, sympathetic, where you're just like fight, flight, freeze, right? Uh, the cortisol rushing. Um, fight or flight. 
Right. So it's, it's a really, I, I have found it incredibly useful to go to the body. The body holds so much wisdom for us. And I would add that it is a practice. It is a practice, mm. a practice, a practice. Yeah. It's one of, of others, but um, I actually put that quote on my refrigerator because I just was like, that. you need that reminder. Well, it's not a weakness either, is it? You know, my, my first reaction is if I do that, I've backed down, I've lost, I've let that person win, but it's not a weakness. How can you explain to somebody that doing that, is, is that what you refer to as intellectual humility or? or yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, well, and it's kind of a moment like that story that I told earlier of who, who's the gift with if it's still with that person. They're the ones, you know, and, and then you become the mirror of emotional regulation. Right and intellectual humility and the very values that you may honor the most, right? You become the change you want to see in the world. Right. You become that being who you would hope that individual may or may not emulate. But if anybody else in the workspace witnessed that interaction, they would be like, wow. Mohammed spoke from his truth and he stood in his alignment and his dignity and he was composed and dignified and honoring himself even in the face of that firestorm. Come right. So Laura, let me let me pause there for a sec because in reacting and being in reacting and being that emotional reaction, sometimes it's hard to change my physical space to alter my emotional or mental space. And so I just react. That's part of our truth. But what you're saying, the truth that we want to embrace is the one where it allows us to honor who we are and be more dignified. And right. And it's stepping back. It, it, it's to your, you know, to your point, changing how we are physically feeling at the moment. Because I know whenever I re react later, like seconds later, it's like, did I really just say that? And so sometimes we can tell ourselves that that's the powerful response. It's not. I mean, what you shared, and thank you for sharing about your mother, you probably had many a situation where you could have felt justified in reacting in a certain way to what you were feeling were less than loving signals that she was sending out to you. Yet you responded continuously with love. Well, no, I, no. If I tell the truth, uh, in my adulthood, so in my childhood, I was terrified. I, mm. I was terrified of her for most of my life. Honestly, um, always something inside of me was on hyper vigilance. But I had a period of time, Mohammed in which I, I was reactive right back. Mm. And it was pouring kerosene on a fire. Because every single time that happened, my siblings would go, wow, you, Laura, are the problem. Mm. Right? You're the sick one. 
you are the enraged one. Now they would have no knowledge of the cruel no words, context. the context or what the cruel words that my mother had just spoken or whispered sometimes into my ear, right? In a very vulnerable moment for me, right? Because she was really not well, right? Um, and, and so when I, when I reacted, it made it so much worse, so much worse. Because then I had to defend myself to my siblings. Mm -hmm. I am not the sick one. She, you know, like, why can't, you know, and then I'm like, wait a minute. I do kind of look a mess. Uh, I look like the hot mess right now because you know what? The truth was, I was at that point. I was. And then How were you my, able to behave then, differently? Yeah. Well, and then it was my responsibility to get into inside myself with the support of professionals and get at my work and not ever do that behavior again mm. with anybody. And so, so, that Laura, I, so that I could slowly shift to that dignified response of thank you for sharing and, you know, sometimes walking away. Because there's some relationships, Muhammad, that are just not good for us. Right. And we, we, you know, I've learned that I can literally walk away and work, walk towards high quality people who have self-awareness, who have emotional health, who have intellectual humility. They, they, they've been busy cultivating these contents of their character, right? And I see them and I feel them and I know them and everybody's in a process. But, if, but, but that part of it is like calling out my own self, right? So I had to call out my own self in those interactions with my own, with my own mother. So that going forward, I, I had the whole, whole cornucopia of responses available to me, including staying silent and walking away in my dignity and knowing that I wasn't a wuss, <laughs> for lack of a better word, right? That I, that I, that help, I, right? I, wasn't, I didn't become, so I didn't become a victim of my own mm. words coming right. back to smack me. Right. Because the truth is every time somebody said, you're misbehaving, they were right. Right. You know, and it was like, wow, even though she was too, it didn't matter at that point. Right. Because I can only control, you know, it's like that phrase, you can only control what you can control. And you know what, Muhammad? That's me. That's this right. container right here. I am 100% responsible for, for my words that are coming out of my mouth, for my body, for my body language, for my facial expressions, for my passion, for my words. That's it. I, I cannot get inside the heart and soul of any other wow. human being ever. Not ever. And I think that's the belief that people must set down. Because we try to change others and change <sighs> is us. We, we change how we respond to others. We can write. But, you know, I, and what you were saying earlier, one of my takeaways is you didn't do it alone. And we don't have to do things alone. Like it's okay to call out for help, right? right. A lot of the time we're so stoic and we can do it. And, you know, we're, we're, we're strong people. And, and maybe, maybe, but there's no shame, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a friend, whether it's a coach, there's no shame 
and recognizing, you know what? I may be the teacher in certain situations, but sometimes, I, and that takes us back to where we started. Sometimes, you know, we are trying to lead and we're the experts, but then whenever it's our story, whenever the light or the situation is turned upon us, you, it's hard to practice, but you preach sometimes, you know, and I've done this, you know, my wife will say to me sometimes, I listen to you talk, but then I see you act and things don't align. And I look at her and, and, I, and you know, I ask for examples, but I know what she's talking about. She'll say, you know, like I see the way you talk to people and how you coach. And, but then I just saw the way you talk to your son. Really? And I think it's because we take for granted in situations where, oh, it's my son. I can get away with it. Doing the wrong is always wrong. Right. Right. And so, and, and right. Yes. And, oh and, and that's, that's hard because, you know, to a certain point, we become hypocrites. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. Well, it's, yeah. Oh, you've, you've hit on it. And, and gosh, trust me. Well, it's the whole imposter syndrome. <laughs> you think the word out of my mouth. It really is. Oh, gosh, right. It would totally be me having this, you know, meaningful conversation, respectful conversation with you right now. And then getting in my car and cutting myself off in traffic yep. and, you know, flipping the bird. And I'm right? like, wait, no, that's and, not me. See, and, and that, and that's, and, and what I've, learned through many moments of exactly what you're talking about about that you know disconnect right and and for me it was like the moments that i was treating my own tiny children because i hadn't resolved my traumas right i was you know the you know overstimulate you know all that and i'm i'm you know like that's okay and like you were mentioning about your son so i i could be kind and so gracious with a, a clerk and really patient in the grocery line right and then come home and just be this awful person to my yeah. own children who right. I deeply love and right. cherish. And that, you know, and so that's the moment, right? Where I knew I had to get congruent. And I love, I love the, um, it's an alternate um, serenity prayer, which goes, God grant me the serenity to accept the, that there's only, uh, how's it go? Oh, sorry, my train of thought. Um, there's only uh, what I cannot change any other person. Right. The courage to change the one person that I know I can and the wisdom to know that person is me. Right. And so as we then go to work on that self-awareness and that self-discovery and that self-love and self-forgiveness and grace and compassion for ourselves, we can take that more aligned self and reach out for the support is and no shame, right? Or even if you have the shame, do it, you know, kind of like, okay, you know, and, and have the humility to do it anyway, or the vulnerability and the courage to do it anyway. And then you're walking out more aligned in the world because what I would hope that people would say about Laura Staley right now, as opposed to five years ago or 10 years ago, is that she shows up exactly as Laura Staley, you know, from her deepest values, from her compassion, from her aligned, more healed self. And she knows she'll still make mistakes, but she'll be able to call herself out and apologize and commit to a new behavior for the future. 
because I've learned so many lessons down a very hard path, Muhammad. I mean, I really, really had to look at myself hard in the mirror and own all the crunchy and all the prickly and all the places that I hurt and all the places that I was jealous and envious and, you know, <laughs> pity party, right? <laughs> all those parts of me to just, you know, use the alchemy of all those experiences that were really, really hard to turn into some kind, to turn into love, to turn into compassion, to turn into radical em empathy. So gosh willing from this day forward, kind of, right? <laughs> like, a, like a pledge or something, but a commitment, a deep, deep commitment yeah. that I have to, um, you know, at the very least choose silence because at least in the silence, I haven't said harmful words to another human being. And it's not a place of weakness. And that alchemy, oh. as you say, it's ongoing. You know, yeah. we are continuously, it's a practice. And I love it when you say, you know, I, I, I think of becoming unfiltered, becoming that authentic human being. It, it is alchemy. It is a matter of taking the most base qualities and turning them into, you know, I cannot go and get another Muhammad. I cannot disinvest myself of all the things I've done in the past, good and bad. It's taking all those base qualities and turning them into the most refined value-based behaviors that make me a, worth my weight in gold and more, right? And, and I think, you know, that is a combination of heart and, and, and mind. It's a, it's a matter of spirit and soul. And, you know, you and I could spend another hour and I, in the future I will. But, you know, this leads me to you've given us so many heartwarming, life-changing, wake up, what do you call up? Wake up Willie? <laughs> right? Right? So can you give me and the listeners what is one thing that you could give to help us keep that resilience? Because you bring such emotionally charged peacefulness to your commitment to do better. And it's not broken from where you've come. And your connectivity to who you are only makes you stronger and, and more authentic. How, what is something you've done to allow you to do that so well? That, you know, I call this the unfiltered thought of the week. What unfiltered thought could you give us to be able to master that skill of turning that vulnerability into the courage consistently? How do I turn the vulnerability into the courage consistently? Um, humility. Humility. Constantly humbled by um, and gratitude, you know, appreciating the very smallest steps that I may have taken because I'm perfectly imperfect, right? Um, so humility um, and gratitude, you know, really staying humble in my humanity. Knowing at the end of the day, I'm a human being, just like you are. And um, 
I can be brave for something bigger than myself. That helps me too, that I know that what's happening in our world right now is so much bigger than me. Right. And, uh, so if I can stay grateful and humble, that supports me being vulnerable and brave. And you know, yesterday when I was sitting, thinking of how am I feeling to the news of this person passing, humility and being humble and knowing my place and knowing what's important at that time, yeah. right? Because we can get so caught up in the shiny object syndrome and who's doing what and all, you know, what did you call the, the, the one who's competing and always jealous and right? I love you. We have to touch. Oh, right. Jealous Judy. Jealous <laughs> Judy. All right. So, you know. Envious and, right? and oh, I got all of them. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I need the list. Right. But you, it's okay to feel those things, but to call yourself out on them and say, Edna, Judy, this is not your moment right now. Peaceful Pat is here to stay for the moment. And it's, yes, you said earlier, it's taking that deeper breath, being aware of what your eyes and your tongue and your physical space and, and emotions so that you can better be who you are. And I think being humble is so underrated. Being humble is not a weakness. The, you know, the most, Incredibly strong people are those who are most, they find humanity in their humility. And I think it's the ones that we connect with. And whether we're at home or at work or walking down the street, or as you mentioned earlier, at, at the grocery store, saying thank you, but it's being consistent. It's coming home and bringing home that same respect and humility. And I think that's how we become more courageous. I want to thank you for being so courageously open and honest and transparent today. And this is just the first of hopefully many conversations you and I will continue having. So God bless all the strength to you. And uh, thank you so much for being my influencer guest today. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Unfiltered, the show about authentic leadership and personal growth. Like what you heard? Click subscribe, share it, and tell a friend about it. And don't forget to leave a rating.